This is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance. The tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. Listen Tuesdays for featured guests and Fridays for GoBundance member spotlights. But listen always to hear how our guests have grabbed life big. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gruber. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. We got a really cool episode. We're gonna, I got a guy here, a GoBundance member that we're gonna relate to a lot on leaving not only a career, but an executive career. And we're gonna dive deep on that. So Chad Kirkpatrick is an accredited investor who 10X'd his net worth from 2011 to 2021. He started investing in property in 2011 and currently is the sole owner of over 8 million in real estate and other investments. He owns multiple properties in the Phoenix Scottsdale area, great spot, plus a beach house in Florida. He's also a limited partner in 126 stores in Florida. His Arizona portfolio includes long-term multifamily rentals and single-family homes used as short-term rentals. Mr. Kirkpatrick has achieved level one financial freedom through his rental income. I love that. He left his executive level two job on February 17, 2022. I love that even more. To focus on leading a fuller and more balanced life. And we're going to talk about Vanilla Ice and Robert Kiyosaki and a bunch of other interesting, interesting things. So strap in. Let's get going. Chad, welcome, brother. Good to see you. All right. Thank, thanks, Jamie. This is awesome. I appreciate the intro. Absolutely. Let's go back a little bit. So how did you go from now you're, you know, in, over the last 10 years, you're building a portfolio, you leave your W-2, but you were a W-2 guy for a while. So take us back. Where are you from Scottsdale? Give us kind of the story up to uh, the point at which you made your exit. Yeah, um, it, really, I'm actually grew up in Dallas, Texas, um, uh, through, through a family of uh, entrepreneurs. My, my parents were divorced. So I had both a stepfather and a father who were very much entrepreneurs. But despite that, I was told I had to have a W-2 job and go to college and get a degree. So I started down that path, um, oddly enough, uh, in government. I, I wanted to go work in federal government, so I went to school in Washington, D.C. My very first job out of school was working in the United States Senate and then into the Treasury, U.S. Treasury Department, for a while. Um, one of the things I learned from that was uh, you had 22-year-olds and 24-year-olds. They're the people that actually write the bills, them and the lobbyists. So it kind of let me say, you know, I don't know if you want to give too much power to these guys since it's guys like me that are kind of doing major legislation. <laughs> um, you know, my my wife and I decided we want to make a change from the Washington, D.C. area. And um, we just, you know, we we just picked a spot, Phoenix, Arizona. And we had we established some criteria. One was no winters. Uh, mm. Phoenix and Phoenix and Austin, Texas were the two two things. Uh, good good cost of living, affordable homes, uh, which yeah. we, we weren't getting in D.C. Um, better job prospects. I mean, if, if you for those in D.C. and probably New York City, you know, you got cabbies with MBAs, and you know, we we certainly <laughs> wanted to kind of leverage our our skills, and uh, we we want to get out of politics. Um, so I, I say we got three of the four done. Um, you know, moving to Arizona kind of in the late 90s was you know, really the best thing that ever happened to us. I would say within 10 years, I was actually appointed to the governor's cabinet. Mm. Um, before that, I had been a vice president for Wells Fargo uh, in technology, uh, moved to the governor's cabinet. And that's kind of really, in a way, lit, led me to kind of set me off in my journey. So I was very excited being a, the chief information officer. So I ran IT for a state, 25,000 employees in the state. And in a lot of respects, it was my dream job. But what you learn in politically appointed positions is that you can be unappointed just as quickly as you get appointed. So in 2000, I found myself without a job. Wow. Um, 
So I actually had a brief stint uh, kind of running my own consulting business. Actually did fantastic. I was actually tripled my income two years later. And I had all this cash coming in. And really what I started doing was just buying real estate. This was, again, 2011, 2012, when this was really happening. And it it, it kind of came about because, um, you know, through my networking for my consulting business, you know, I kept meeting these people. Oh, you should buy these multifamilies because they're like 20,000 a door and you can't go wrong. I'm like, okay, you know, why not? <laughs> you know, that, that's literally my decision point. The second decision point was, a major client, and he was a friend of mine when I worked there. He was in another agency, so he was going to become a client of mine. His wife was a real estate agent. So I got, hey, I'll have my client's wife be my real estate agent. And there's a, a great way in. They had owned 15 rentals at the time, and she had been buying. So I guess I, I got to learn somehow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't, was there bigger pockets in 2012? I'm not, I'm not sure what education there was, but I didn't know to look for it for sure. Right. Right. So it was a side hustle, the real estate side. And I just kind of stuck with that W-2. And the, my mindset was always, I got to have a title. I got to have an income. I can't have an income unless I'm working for somebody else. All this rental income, uh, when I'm 59 and a half, I'll be able to retire. Maybe I'll cheat at age 57. <laughs> and probably about two years ago, I kind of looked at my portfolio. I go, like, what the hell? Like, why Why am I waiting? <laughs> I'm 59. <laughs> Like I, if I just do three things in the next two years, I'm, I'm good. And I can just go to that next step. And so I, I kind of got there, you know, I, I got there about a year ago. So I actually spent the last two years kind of writing down a plan, really focusing on the life vision mm-hmm. on what's the lifestyle that my wife and I, we want to lead in, in the next three years, three years from, from now or two and a half years from now, really, but three years from that time and really just started executing on that plan. And, you know, I, I, I kind of stretched the job out as long as I could, but it, you know, when you mentally check out, cause you're going to leave. Yeah. Yeah. It's just hard to stay. I, I stayed for six months more than I was intending to. I'm kind of glad I did because it's with a lot of income, which I don't have now, but you know, it allowed me to kind of finish some things. And when it was kind time to go, like I just separated and it was, it was done. There was no, no quitters remorse for sure. Was there any notice in advance besides like two weeks or whatever, like the six months before, did you give a signal like, hey, I'm winding down, I got a year or was it hush hush until you actually made the decision? Uh, no, I gave him three and a half weeks notice because yeah. I had a lot of I gave high, a month. Yep. yeah, yeah, <laughs> a lot of high value projects that I wanted to make sure got transitioned, but, but yeah. yeah. Is it funny you left with gratitude? That was my thing. Like if I left when I wanted to leave in my story, the arc of my story, I would have been with just firing like the hell with this. I'm out of here. But when I left, when I left, it was like, how can I best set up whatever's next after me? How can I help them transition? So I offered a month more if you need it. Like I I wasn't in a rush per se. I wasn't going to, you know, go Mm -hmm. forever, but I like what you said. You know, that's the way to go. You built something to run toward. So it wasn't that you were running away from a job at this point. You just had something else. Thank you for all that you've given me, but I got to go do this now. So I love that. Um, Talk to me about lifestyle freedom. You said you put a plan together. This is near and dear to my heart because for me, like financial freedom, yes, we're all pursuing or have gotten or whatever the case may be, that milestone. But man, I, I, you have kids? Kids. How old are they? Well, two. And that's the other thing that I'm kind of blessed with. Um, I'm blessed because they're out of the house. So we're empty (laughs) nesters. Well, but that was my thing on the other end. Like I started a little later compared to most. Like I'm 43, I have a seven and a four-year-old. But for me, lifestyle freedom became like urgent. Like, hey, I can 
even if I do some work and make some money, but I have my passive investments or whatever, I'm cool with that if I get to do the life I want to do. So I know what that is for me. But what is that for you? What is it? You and your wife crafted this plan. What is that? What does lifestyle freedom look like for you? So we put together a vision statement. When I say we, it's like probably 95% me. But (laughs) I got to ask you about that in a second too. Go for it. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I think think we're in the same direction on that one. But, um, you know, for me, you know, I, I kept coming back to this, this concept of a gentleman of leisure. So I said, you know, I want to, I don't want to work more than 30 hours a week total. So every, every line of business cannot together, cannot be more than 30 hours. And, um, so that I have the time that I, for my personal pursuits, whether it's fitness, whether it's my relationships, my marriage, my, my, my kids, you know, after spending 60, 70 hours, especially when you're traveling a lot, there's a lot, I think, to make up with your kids and, and frankly, your friends that are, they were friends and then you're never around because you're, you're busy doing other things. So I, you know, it really just came to, you know, this, um, mission statement of just no more than 30 hours a week. I wanted my income to be double my W2 income, Mm. which was, Pretty close to where my total income was. If you added up my my quote unquote passive income or the side hustle income with my W two, try and get there within within three years, mm-hmm. and where I'm working more than thirty more than uh, sorry no more than thirty hours. And part of that though was because you know I'm 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 over fifty right, so kids are out of the house. A little bit of a different spot where you know I'm, I think you see in the GoPods like well I want to have a hundred million dollars and I want to do this. And certainly if I were 30 years old, that's what I would be thinking. But, you know, I'm kind of like lights at the end of the tunnel, you know, you know, I can live off three, 400 grand a year, pretty darn well. And I'm pretty close to that. So when I get there, do I want to go to that next level? I mean, I don't know. I mean, talk to me on a Monday. Yes. Talk me on a Tuesday. No. I mean, (laughs) you know, I just, you know, because, but when I get there, I'll make that decision. Right. I just, I just, I have a goal you know, three years or I guess two and a half years from now, this is where I'm going to be. And then I'll figure out the next step. How do you, how do you uh, separate 30 hours? Do you allocate a certain amount per business or give us an idea of like, how many things do you consider uh, within that 30 hours? Is it, is it your real estate portfolio? Is it property? Like, What are the things that you're allocating time to? And then how do you allocate that time to make sure you stay under 30? So, well, I, I won't say I'm the best at tracking it. Um, and, and, and to be fair, I haven't quite accomplished that just because I'm trying to get to that point where the income yeah. is where it needs to be. Right? No, but it's so aspirational and you're designing it just like you designed quitting your job at some point, right? So now you're yeah. on the path to designing this. So I'm curious how you, I mean, this is good for me because I'm, I'm nowhere near 30 hours. So I would love to hear, uh, teach me, please. <laughs> yeah. And so, well, so, so 30 hours is, is inclusive of, of everything that produces income. Right. And even if I enjoy it, like I enjoy driving around, looking at houses, I'm sorry, I'm going to go ahead. I need to include that in there. Mm. Um, so it is inclusive. Now, how I allocate it um, or how I'm going to manage it, I think once you get to a certain level, like right now, you know, my wife and I are talking about hiring a, a person, you know, at, at the local university who's, you know, they have a great construction management, property management um, degree. So it'd be awesome to take a senior in college and pay them whatever, 30 bucks an hour to, to kind of go do all this, you know, kind of busy work that has to get done, right? MBAs and stuff like that. So we're we're trying to carve out like, you know, what are those, I don't want to call them low value because, you know, they, they do need to get done, but but maybe more repetitive routine, you know, not something that's high uh, income producing type work. 
that we should be doing. So I, I think when we when we get there, um, we're not there yet, but when we get there, that's kind of how we'll start divvying out to kind of keep that time down. The only other thing I would add to that is that 30 hours, it's got to be work that I can do remotely mm. because one of our goals, you know, I, we, we were talking 2023, but it's probably going to be 2024 because of some things that are happening next year. But, you know, we're, we said, look, we're going to spend three months in Southern Europe next in 2020, probably 2024, realistically speaking. And then we're going to get to the point where we're traveling six months out of the year. So whatever we do, we got to do it remotely. That's so cool, man. That's that was number one for me. In fact, a guy uh, in my pod says, um, "My he designs everything by the cell phone. Like, he wouldn't even need a laptop. He's, he's at that point." Um, and yeah, to your point, like you know, we're I, I don't know if you saw it, but I posted recently. We're in July 2022 as we record this, but in a month we're moving. My family and I are moving to the Dominican for a year or yeah. two, right? So um, that came true because of that priority, like you said. But what you something you said in there, I I really love, and I and you said it intentionally, and I I, I caught it was that 30 hours is inclusive of of work that you enjoy even. I think that's my, that was, that I opened my eyes because I think for me, where I creep is like the work is the stuff that I gotta do. Like, right, that's what I consider 30 or 40 hours. But there's a whole bunch of stuff I love doing that I don't look at as work, even though it's work. It's dollar productive, but I love it. This, I mean, it's dollar productive in many ways for me, but I love doing this. So I don't look at it as work, but you're, you're, you're potentially putting, a, a good percentage of your 30 hours that you're allotting yourself and you're holding yourself tight to, to stuff you like. So it's not, it's work, but it's not work, but 30 mm-hmm. hours. That's amazing. Was that a conscious decision or was that like, how did you come up with that? I'm curious. How, Cause that's brilliant yeah. to me. Well, thank you. But yeah, yeah. I, I would say it had more to do with having working 60, 70 hours in the corporate world and you enjoy it. You enjoy the people, you enjoy the projects most of the time. Yeah. You know, and it's easy, you know, you talk, you, 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 you use the word, um, you know, creep, right? And, and yeah. I'm in technology. We talk about scope creep all the time. Of course, we should add a little button here. That's only six hours of work. And, you know, of course, you've added like 20 of those six hour things and you've, you've blown everything out of the water. Yeah. So I, I think it's really, you know, tempting to say, oh, I enjoy it. It's not really work, and, which you know, might, might be true. I mean, you know, is going out to, you know, you know, these $10 million houses and and looking in them because you want to get design ideas for a short-term rental or design ideas for your house or just because you're curious. Is that really work? Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, th- these are things that I could be doing in other pursuits, right? I kind of mentioned I want to spend more time in fitness. I want to spend more time with my wife doing one-on-one things, more time kind of travel. And if I kind of let those, those things I enjoy doing, they're kind of work, kind of not, all that stuff kind of gets pushed aside. Next thing I know, I'm back to doing 60 hours a week of work, which I'm done. I don't want to do that. I love it, man. I want to go back. I'm going to kind of track back to a couple of points uh, that you brought up. Uh, one is one of enrollment, I'll call it. So, uh, you know, guy or gal listening to this right now uh, heard you say, yeah, 95% of the vision was kind of me and my wife's along for the ride. How do you and how did you enroll your wife in this vision or did you or is she, you know, is it her personality? Is it something that you feel you did well as far as being able to execute a vision? Unpack that for me, if you wouldn't mind, because I think that's a that's a big thing. Like, how do I get my partner involved or engaged if they're not necessarily on this alpha driven you know, mindset yeah. that many of us are? Well, I, you know, I mean, certainly it first starts with what type of relationship do you have going into that conversation? Sure. Right. If it's if. If you're already kind of two people living, you know, two lives and you kind of meet in the middle, 
might be a little bit of a different, you know, conversation than you, you, you truly are partners, you know, married to, to one another, you know, married to, to your life vision. Um, I would say, you know, I'm more of a, a planner and a visionary and, you know, probably that might be just because of the work I've always had to do in yeah. my, my day job. So I just kind of transferred over into, you know, this new journey in private life. Um, but I would say, you know, it, it you know, when I first kind of, I, I read a few books on it. I, I kind of listened to some podcasts. There's actually a great podcast with Brandon Turner and his wife kind of talking about it. And I can kind of tell that I think this is more Brandon's vision than his, you know, wife's vision type of thing. Sure. And so I, I kind of got a lot of clues from that. And I even sent that video to my wife and said, Hey, you know, watch this 10 minute video. I think, I think this will like give us ideas for what we want to talk to. Hmm. You know, I took a day off work. We went out to this kind of outdoor restaurant, you know, it was March or April. So it was tolerable in Phoenix, Arizona back then. So it was, it was kind of a relaxing environment. I had kind of prepped her for it. You know, I started like asking her questions and getting her feedback on it. You know, she was a little bit reluctant still. So, of course, I did all the work, right? I typed it up. What do you think of this? What do you want to add? And she's like, yeah, yeah. And she had like a sentence, you know, out of like three pages or something like that. And but kind of switch topics. I go, so, hey, you know, I'm thinking once we accomplish this, we can travel. Where would you want to travel to? Yeah. And even that was a little bit of a struggle to kind of get her on board. Because, I, I mean, you tell me, you can go anywhere you want. I'm, I'm all over that. But, you know, again, yeah. different personalities, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it's just kind of that constant, you know, conversation and, you know, asking her like, hey, you know, what 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 do you envision us doing? And, and I also kind of think, you know, getting back to that relationship, like like she 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 does a lot of work and she has worked a lot, but it's always been kind of, you know, independent mm-hmm. type work. Um, so she's had a little flexibility um, in what she's done. So I've, I've been the primary breadwinner for sure. And I think she's kind of seen my frustrations, my, you know, 630 at night. And I just pass out on the couch and, and just say, hey, you know, it, it's time. We, we're at a great place. It's just time that we can move forward. I trust you. She kind of said, I trust you. And, you know, and just to add a, one example of that, you know, before I quit, I was probably about maybe two, two months away mm-hmm. from quitting. Um. And I, I kind of had this anxiety attack, like, why am I doing this? I, I got this. I'm doing great at my job. I got great income. Why am I doing this? And I kind of told my wife in the morning after getting like four hours of sleep, like, you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't quit. I just, I just got to keep going. She goes, no, you've been talking about this for a year. You'll make it work. We'll make it work. Go do it. I, I, I'm with you on this. And I was like, okay, so there we go. That's amazing. I, that, I think that anxiety, I, I, I felt that I think the day before it was, I was a weird calm for me mm. for like a month. I made the decision a month, month and a half, like the final, like I wanted to want, I was like, you know what? I'm doing it when I get back. We were in Florida for a month. So I'm doing it when I get back from Florida, actually came back from Florida, went right to Tahoe for a GoBundance event. And after that, the way when I came back, I did it. And, um, I remember being so like at peace with it. Just no problem. Like, wow, this is weird. Like, this is, ah, this is what's supposed to be. Then the night before, <laughs> the night before, it was just like, oh God, what the hell am I about to do? Are you crazy? But, you know, I got over that pretty quickly. My wife was the same. She was, uh, you know, what's the worst that happens here? You know, like really, what's the worst that happens here? And it, uh, I can get a job in a year. That's it. I can get a job if I need to. That would be, uh, what, embarrassing, a blow to the ego. It would suck, but 
I, I'll, we'll survive. We're not going to live under a bridge. I've said that so many times. Zero is not an option for for like you. You can make seventy grand a year and and pay bills. You could downgrade your house and make seventy grand. You, you know what I mean? Like, not to be flippant about it, but you know the whole idea of being broke and destitute is just not realistic with your skills and your experience and you know what you have to offer the marketplace. So I don't know for people considering quitting, keep that in mind. Um, it's funny on the, on the, I have to watch, it was the branded video, like a YouTube thing, or do you remember where you, was it a podcast? It, it was on YouTube. Okay. Um, yeah, it was about a 10 minute video. Um, look yeah, it up. He, he, yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good quick watch for sure. Yeah. If we find it, we'll drop it in the show notes. Cause I love this topic. And, uh, it's funny you said about, you wrote it down. I, my wife and I do this kind of annually toward the end of the year, we'll sit down coffee shop, something like that for me. And this sounds like you, it's a planning session, right? But I'm smart enough to know not to market it that way, right? Like, let's go out and chat and dream a bit, right? Let's talk about, you know, what we're going to... And then I don't, I know there's no pen, no paper in that moment. Like, I'm just like trapping it, trapping it, trapping it. And then as soon as we're done, ah, it's great, babe, whatever. I go back and, you know, I'm writing it all. (laughs) So I didn't even show her. It was just like, yeah, hey, I got it. I I, I got it. We're all good to go. So I like that. Um, well, and, you know, and, and two, just just two things to add to that. You know, one yeah. one thing I've been able to do, like she she hates accounting. I, frankly, I hate accounting, but I've kind of taken over a lot of that. So she's like, oh, well, this is pretty good. You're, I don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> um, you know, the other thing, you know, you, you talk about when you made the decision to quit. You know, one thing I was very intentional about was like, okay, I'm going to buy another property, and I I kind of timed it where I'd work. I was I was going to work. And then three days later, fly to Florida to, to, to take possession of a beach house. Hmm. And uh, it, it got a little bit delayed, but, you know, that that was kind of it. I mean, I I wasn't going to have a job and, oh, can I take a week off to, to go get this house? You know, I spent a month there, totally different environment. I'm on the beach. I'm, I'm physically working because I'm trying to convert this family home into a short-term rental. But, you know, so my mind was just like, just, there was no nothing about the W two because I was busy and, and yeah. doing physical labor and trying to okay is this a blue or a gray color you know oh, I'm going to go walk on the beach now I'm certainly not thinking about the past life walking on the beach that's for right. sure right. so yeah I mean it kind of helped me just make that clean break and just never look back I love it uh, going back a little further this was interesting your stepdad and your father both entrepreneurs they encouraged you to get a W two why. Was it something they saw in you or what was that? <laughs> what, what was well, let, me, let me rephrase that on them encouraging me to, to get the W-2. Um, I, I would say I kind of grew up in an entrepreneurial environment. So my my parents were were kind of working class. Um, I, I think when my mom got pregnant, she was 19 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they divorced a few years later um, type of thing. Um, so my, my dad was delivering beer. And uh, my mom was a school teacher. So, and they were separated with, with two kids going back and forth. So, so I kind of grew up in a household full of scarcity, right? And, you know, we just, we don't have the money. We can't afford it. Um, when I was about maybe 10 years old, my, my, my dad, through a family loan, bought, got enough money to start a grocery store, you know, in, in bad part of town, because that's all he could afford. So that kind of kicked him off on his kind of, entrepreneurial small business type journey. When my mom remarried, she remarried a doctor who had three clinics. He had started his own insurance company and, you know, all these other kind of great things, you know, going on. And I would say, I think it's more on, you know, my, my mother's side to just kind of play it safe. 
you know, you're going to get a job. Um, you're going to get a W-2 job. You know, you'll be an executive in the W-2 job, but you got to get the W-2 job. You know, even though here I am in an entrepreneurial thing. And I think that, you know, part of the reason why it took me so long to kind of make this mental break from the W-2 world to entrepreneurial world was because of that conflict. And I, because my reputation and pretty much every job I've had is he's very, I'm very entrepreneurial, but I'm working for somebody and yeah. being entrepreneurial, there's benefits because they know they can throw anything your way and you're going to throw it, you're going to figure it out and make it success. The downside is every culture has a corporate culture for how you communicate and how you get things done and how you get approval. Entrepreneurs are by default like doers. There's a problem. Okay, we fixed it. Well, wait a minute. You didn't talk to this person and that person and that person. You oh. just fixed it. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I so, do. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. The the other conflict I grew up with because of my my you know again my parents' conditioning of you know they didn't have a lot of money. I mean, in Dallas, Texas, we wouldn't turn on the air conditioner until like mid June because mm. you know we just couldn't afford it. And then all of a sudden. My stepfather's a doctor. We have a house that's like three times bigger. There's air conditioning is always on. You know, we're going to a country club. But my mom's like, oh, you need school clothes? Let's go to the outlet store. You know, <laughs> so, you know, so when it came time for me to start investing, I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to do a conservative investment. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to risk this. And, you know, and I, and I kind of talk with the real estate, you know, kind of when I started buying, you, know, you just you kind of get this adrenaline or this testosterone rush. You, know, you buy one, you got to buy the other. But, you know, it, it was kind of one of those, like, you know, I, I, I came close to buying more just because it was fitting my criteria. But there was that part of me pulling back, like, no, 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 play it safe. What if you lose? You don't want to lose your money. And, you know, of course, everything you bought in 2012 and 2011, 2010 was a winner. But you didn't know that at the time. The world had fallen apart. So, you know, so again, working through those conflicts, you know, still working through them, but I think those were the things that kind of kept me on a path. I mean, did, I've done very well. I don't yeah. you know, certainly, certainly don't, don't regret where I've ended up, but you know, it, it was something that I, I do think, you know, we talk about mindset has kind of, you know, held me back from doing a little bit more. I mean, again, I'm happy with where I am, but you know, it's all mindset for sure. I see the conditioning from my parents to me, like you described, right? Your mom, maybe a house of scarcity that you go into this abundant place with your stepdad. So I, I'm very aware of the actions I take as a result of conditioning from my parents. And you and I went through a change in our lives, right? You know, we go from sort of, you know, uh, uh, safe, quote, quote, unquote, safe job mindset, like you said, kind of entrepreneurial, probably with, I always had that entrepreneurial spirit within, but existed within this confine to making a big leap later in life to, you know, not being in that world. So my kids are younger. And the thing I wonder about constantly, because I just don't, I can't see the future. Like you're at the finish line. So I ask, I ask this father to father for somebody who's done it, right? You, you, you've, you've gotten them to where you need to get them. They, they're out, they're doing their thing. They're, they're functioning adults. But I wonder about the conditioning that I have, uh, that my conditioning, if, if my parents' conditioning is mine, then mine becomes theirs, right? In that regard, do you do you think back on and however you want to couch this? It could be one thing you see that uh, you're glad you did, and maybe one thing you wish you could do differently uh, as far as where your kids are now and how they're a reflection of your conditioning. Does that make sense? I, I'm just curious. I'm curious, you know, if you're seeing this like, man, I was always at this entrepreneurial bend, but I didn't allow myself to fully pursue it. Didn't buy the way I would have in 2011. Do you see this in your kids? And is it too late to help them through? maybe deconditioning if their if their way of being more aligns with a different way, if that makes sense. That was a long question. 
<laughs> no, that's a great question. And it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, and as a parent, every child is different and it's easy. It's, it's easy to kind of say it kind of flippantly, but my two kids, same parents, same household, similar schools, only a couple of years apart, their outlook in life could not be more separate. And there's, there's really no way to explain it. It's just hardwiring, you know, 50% hardwiring, 50% environment type of thing. Um, you know, one of the things that, that we were intentional about was bringing the kids along um, when we were fixing things, sometimes when we were doing inspections. Um, I, I wish we would have brought them along a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will say this, our daughter, um, she's in college, she's pre-med. And, uh, you know, it was funny, there was a point where she wanted to be a real estate agent or a doctor. She couldn't decide. I said, well, you know, if you're a doctor, you can buy a lot of real estate. So that that ended that conversation. But she, she came to us last year. She goes, well, if I can get into this specialty in medicine, I'm going to buy an office building for my practice and rent out spaces that are practices kind of not not competitors, but very similar so that people would come for different you know, like minded things. I go, man, how old are you again? You, know, you, you thought of that on her own. Right. So I, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Our son you know, it's kind of funny. I, I think it's more, well, I'll, I'll get to the backstory on our son. Uh, you know, he was like a super entrepreneur. I mean, you know, you talk about, we went to uh, Turkey for a family vacation. Um, I want to say he was probably maybe 15 years old when we went. You know, he's, he's going through all these street bazaars, buying like headphones and, and, and clothes. And then he gets back to America, puts them on eBay and like quintuples his money, you know? And I'm just like, man, that's, you know, he'd have all these side, he'd cut people's hair. He would chauffeur them around in his car. I mean, he would just do it, all these things to make money. And, you know, and now he's kind of gone the opposite way. You know, I'm going to be a data scientist and I'm just going to work for somebody. Like, that's kind of a weird flip, especially kind of watching me. I'm like, all right, whatever. But, you know, I think the one thing I would definitely do a little bit different is when it comes less on like, you know, how to go out and do business, but you know, getting back, you know, kind of the rich dad, poor dad concept of making, taking your money, buying income producing assets, and then that income lets you go out and buy nice things. So, and I, and I think that it is a tough concept to, to get, right? Because I need a car. So I'm going to go out and buy a car. Well, Robert Kiyosaki's book, you need a car, go buy an apartment building and the apartment building will buy you a car or the renters, I should say, not you. So I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and that's kind of a concept that, you know, I'm I'm trying to socialize that with the kids. Um, some get it, one gets it, one's I think he will get it. He's just kind of wrapped up into the well, this is the way the world works type of thing. So we'll mm-hmm. we'll see. But I, I think kind of kind of those kind of concepts you're you're not gonna learn, you're not gonna be taught. You're gonna have to learn on your own. That makes sense. No, I appreciate that. You uttered his name, so I have to ask. So 2012, Robert Kiyosaki asks you to reinvent his company for the digital age. What did you say? I said no because I had no <laughs> idea what he was talking about. What the um, hell? What's the story? First, how Kiyosaki? Why you? What does he mean? Like, give us all of that. Like, give us the whole backstory on this. Yeah, so it, it, it's a crazy story. Definitely six degrees of uh, Kevin Bacon type of type of things <laughs> going on here, right? Um, so you know, again, so I, I just again kind of left the governor's office, kind of doing an entrepreneurial thing. I was actually closing on a six unit and a separate triplex. You know, kind of within a month of each other. We're doing the inspection and the, the seller was there as part of the inspection. 
And, you know, we're talking, he's like, yeah, I'm selling, you know, I've got 150 doors. I'm selling a bunch of them to buy. And I'm looking at him like, this guy's kind of young. I go like, how old are you? Right. Totally. In a, as an HR professional, totally inappropriate question. Yeah. Right? He goes, I'm 25 years old. I go 25. How do you get 150 doors? So he tells me this crazy story that long story short, he got a speeding ticket. He went to fight it. His parents gave him the book, rich dad, poor dad. He read it waiting to fight the speeding ticket. And said, nah, screw this. I'm just going to pay the ticket and go buy a house. And literally, that's what he did. So I go, man, that's a cool story. I, I'd never even heard of the book, honestly. So oh, I bought no it kidding. on Amazon. Yeah. $5 on Amazon. Yeah. So flash forward, um, maybe six months later, I'm at a fundraiser. And I'm talking to a, an acquaintance of mine. Go, hey, there's Robert Kiyosaki. I go, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, he wrote that book. I've got a story for him. Hey, you know, Larry, can you, can you introduce me to Robert? thinking like he knew him because he pointed him out. He didn't know him. So he introduced him, you know, of course. And I, I and I, so as we just started talking, I kind of told him the story. I thought it was a cool story. And he kind of asked me what I did. And and I go, yeah, you know, because I get just coming out of the technology world, you know, I kind of do technology consulting, more government related type stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I go, Robert, what do you do? <laughs> so he goes, well, uh, I do real estate. So, uh, and I got, I got an educational company. And he goes, in fact, I'm I'm trying to put my educational company online. I go, really? Like, again, this is 2012, right? So there's there's no Instagram. There's no such thing as influencers. Hmm. I mean, I don't even know if there were videos on real estate investing in 2012 on YouTube. I'm, I'm sure there were, but, you know. No, it's a good point. Know, different age. Yeah. Yeah, t- totally different age. So, you know, I, I get, I gave him my card. And his, you know, assistant called me to his office. So I went there with my with my partner, and we we probably visited his office probably three times. Um, we went back there, and he was talking about taking his rat race game and and making it, you know, kind of on the web, you know. And I'm I'm kind of like, well, that's not you know gaming, not kind of what I do. And and you know, it's just and and I know he was thinking bigger than that, but you know, what the concept of the digital age didn't even exist in 2012. It was, you know, still talking to e-commerce and stuff like that. And, um, you know, so we get invited to his annual retreat for his company. And again, I had a, a consulting client, you know, they were paying me 150 bucks an hour and they, I had a project for them. So again, a lot more money than I don't know what this guy's talking about. Right. So I'm, I'm going there. My partner goes to the retreat. So he texts me the very first day. He goes, he goes, hey, um, I'm sitting at the head table right next to Robert Kiyosaki, and he's talking, talking to me nonstop about this stuff. I go, oh, like what's he? So we're kind of texting a little bit. And then the second day, the last day, you know, my partner Brad calls me up. He goes, uh, you're not going to believe what happened. I go, you know, what happened? He goes, well, at the very end, Robert stands up. Of course, he's sitting right next to me. And he goes, gentlemen, the world is changing. We have to change. And Brad and his partner, Chad, they're going to map the future for us. I go, he said that? Brad goes, yeah, what what are we supposed to do? I go, I have no idea what we're supposed to do. I kind of wish I had been there because, you know, then you can have a little conversation to kind of figure out what his thing was. But, you know, it was just one of those things where, like, we couldn't quite figure out what he was. You know, he was five steps ahead, right? Like, we we might have been one or two steps into the future, there's a reason he's a billionaire, right? He's he's five steps ahead. And, you know, I, I kind of look back on that. And, you know, you know, as a consultant, figure it out, you know, uh, is really what you need to do. So I, I like to say, 
Um, I don't have a yacht in the Mediterranean because of that, but I do have a life lesson because of that. So mm. I was going to ask you if you had the ability to go back. Is it you know point in time? It wasn't the right time. Maybe five years later, you might have had a different mindset on it. But your son has that opportunity with Grant Cardone. Just I don't know, pick a modern day version. Are you like you need to hear my story? This you know I know you got this money over here, but the possibility is more valuable than the money. Is that kind of the lesson that you took from it? Um, your your net worth is your net worth. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you get offered an amount of money for this or anything? Like, was there any structured offer to you, or was it just he uttered that and you were like, no, 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 leave me alone? I um, we you know we we had been talking about a proposal for work. Um, the way we were structured, we were more retainer, you know, based, and and we were dealing more with how to kind of sell to government, if that makes sense, versus like product development. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit of a different flavor, you know. Anyway, but. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I think part of it was we we couldn't quite figure out what that business relationship would look like, much less what he was trying to do. So, mm. how did uh, how did you turn him? It was just an email, thank you, but no thank you, or was there any conversation? Yeah, we just we just I think we just kind of left it alone. Oh, okay, he moved on. Yeah, he's got a reputation uh, of, be, of being a bit of a curmudgeon. Did you see any of that? I'm just kind of curious what he's like. Watching his podcast, totally get that. Yeah. I would say back then, I mean, he he definitely was, he was very open, you know, at least with me. He, I I, I think like a lot of times you you, you can kind of get a feeling of, and this is going to sound worse than it is, but kind of a superiority complex. Yeah. And, and I think that kind of came across <laughs> kind of a funny story. So I think it was the second or second meeting we might've had with him. And, you know, we're, we're talking to staff is there as you know, leaders of his company were there. And um, this assistant comes in, Mr. Kiyosaki, Mr. Kiyosaki, it's here. It's here. He goes, oh, come on, everybody outside, outside. We go outside, brand new Ferrari, right? And he goes to his staff. He goes, now, gentlemen, one day, if you have your own company, you can have something like this, like, like Chad here. He's going to get something like this. And they'll kind of look like we're going to kill you. Yeah. yeah wow. Like, oh. Yeah. A friend of mine, a pretty significant investor, uh, uh, was coaching with Kiyosaki, like as his oh. direct coach so I, at, at one point. I don't know. I wonder what he laid out for that. But that's more the phrase, not curmudgeon, not angry, not like, but just like you said, he had an air. He had an air yeah. about him. And you know what? Hey, he's got the book that has changed that kid's life, your life, my life. I read it, reread it, and it opened things up for me. It's the purple pill, right? So, I mean, you know, forgive him for having an ego, I suppose. But, uh, Wow. Well, he, he's earned the right to have an ego, I think. So yeah, we can't talk about Robert Kiyosaki without talking about Vanilla Ice. And uh, you spent time—that's that's the best segue in the history of this podcast, by the way. Uh, you spent some time on stage with uh, with Ice Ice Baby. You want to talk about that? I mean, you—I could see it. You got kind of the ice Vanilla Ice hairdo going on. To be honest with you, uh, yeah, it's about a foot short, but yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. <laughs> got to watch YouTube for that one. But um, but no, go for it. So, how did you get on st- on stage with Vanilla Ice? Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to raise expectations too high on this, but I will say you mentioned the segue from Kiyosaki lesson learned Kiyosaki. When you get an opportunity, take it no matter how crazy There you go. So it was actually a concert, um, with Rob. I like to call him Vanilla Ice. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, Uh, Rob. right. Yeah. 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 And, uh, he said, come on up on stage. So of course it's all women. Goodness. Like 40 something year old women at that. And I'm like, it's women like he's invited everyone so i said i'm gonna get up on stage 
So I got, I'm like the only guy except for him on stage. When was you know, this like last year? When was this? Uh, probably about three or four years ago. Oh, this is recent. That's yeah, awesome. it's it's pretty recent. I'm like, you know, WTF, you know, yo yo, YOLO, right? YOLO, YOLO once, yeah. you know, go go do it. And uh, the funniest thing is, of course, all these girls are taking the selfies with them. So I'm like, how do you get a selfie with them? I go like this, and, he, and you can see him look at me like, you're a guy. <laughs> and so he immediately started walking away and I got this photo of me and like half of his head as he like walks away. <laughs> no, thanks, man. No, thanks. He's saying that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. He's a, he's so, an investor. You should have thrown that out. He's a real estate guy. So there you go. That's your relationship yeah, with Rob. He's, he's got a great, actually used to have a great show. I, you know, <laughs> that was a great show. I got one more I want to ask you about uh, that, that, I, that I read about with you, and that is DJing for a Moscow dance party while traveling alone through communist Europe. I mean, I, what? Vanilla Ice, Kiyosaki, turning him down, and now communist Europe tour, and you end up DJing in Moscow. Interesting place, given the state of affairs in the world right now. So please do tell. Yeah, part of my worldwide tour, uh, I guess, <laughs> as a DJ. So um, I, I did DJ in Dallas. So there you go. <laughs> nice. Um yeah, I, I think it was more, so this is, um, I, I want to say it was my freshman year of college and, you know, back in high school, I, you know, told my parents, I'm a socialist, right? Yeah. So, so their answer to that was to send me to a socialist country. <laughs> so, uh, I got to do a summer camp, um, you know, with, with the cream of the crop and, you know, in, in Russia and actually with Czechoslovakia too. And, um, you know, it's, it was kind of one of those things like, you know, we, we went out at night there, you know, the, the, the people we were with. Um, you know, took us to a nightclub. So we were kind of with the cream of the crop of the Soviet, you know, econ economic system or political system, I guess. And uh, you know, it's it's kind of you know, everyone's having fun, we're dancing, we're drinking, and it's it's 11 o'clock. At the end of the day, it's a socialist country, right? It's 11 o'clock. Who cares if people are having fun? I'm done. My shift is over. The DJ just left. And so, you know, I'm with this group of girls, to be honest with you. And they go, Chad, go DJ. And when you got like six girls telling you to go DJ. It's what you do. Right. So I'm, I'm up there and I'm just DJing, you know, and uh, you know, it was a great time. The, the, the most requested song was Bruce Springsteen's born in the USA. And if you, if you want to see um, a bunch of drunk Russians who do not have moves like Jagger, you know, go wild dancing, you know, play, play that song, you know, 25 years ago, whenever it was. Um, but yeah, that, uh, that that was uh, definitely a night to remember getting to to DJ for a uh, for a Russian nightclub for sure. That's so. and this is pre cell phones. You couldn't even get the 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 video of the of the whole experience and save it in the cloud somewhere. But yeah, wow, yeah. I love the women. Yeah, yeah. The the women jump on stage. You do. I see a pattern. Women jump on stage. You jump on stage. Women say DJ. You DJ. So uh, definitely, I see who wears uh, who wears the pants in that in your relationship right now. Wife says you do. I'm guessing. Yeah, pretty much. I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's all. So, um, go abundance. You've been in go abundance for about what are we in July? Three, four months now. So you're a you're a fairly new guy. I still have that. You have that new GoBro smell on you. I can I can sense it from here. Tell me about that. Like why? And then give me kind of a sense of what what you're initially getting from from being part of the community, if anything. You know, I you know the, the the why is really just to get with a uh, you know a couple of like minded entrepreneurs. I, I'd always wanted something like this. I just I just never knew where to look, and it was kind of frankly a random conversation with uh, a um, sorry about that. Uh, a, a general partner who was trying to raise money for his, an, an apartment purchase. And he goes, "Oh, I'm, I'm also a member of Gobanda." And so I was like, "I wonder what that is." And I went and looked it up, 
And it, it, I just said, yeah, this is exactly what I'm, I'm looking for, much more holistic. You know, certainly, you know, the, the financial climb, the entrepreneurial climb is like a big part of it. But, okay, there's the fitness component. There's the relationship component. You know, there are all these other, you know, components more holistic that I was kind of attracted to. I would say, you know, definitely a strong start. I certainly love the local guys. Are, are pretty awesome. I've only, I've only had a few meetings with them, but you know, I've had some side lunches and it, it's really been great. Um, you know, and kind of you know, with the Go Pods, you know, it's, I think the thing I liked about the pod was, um, you know, when, when everyone kind of walks through their one sheet, you can kind of see like, okay, I'm kind of doing what this person's doing in this area, but this person's doing this and getting like these results again, whether it's a, a relationship thing or a financial thing or whatever. So it does kind of open your mind. And, and I think the biggest thing for me, you know, being in a W2 world, you know, I, I think when you're a high income earner, everyone's going to kind of end up with that one or 2 million, you know, net worth when, when all is said and done, maybe, maybe a little bit more depending where you are That's in an organization. Point. That's a great point. You know, yeah. But with was here, but you know, of course, you know, I have all this real estate, and I just you know got kind of lucky. I bought it in Phoenix and Scottsdale, so it's probably worth two or three times more than if I bought it in you know Dallas, which is also a great market. So I thought I was like, you know, I, and I never talked about it, so half the people didn't even know, you know, what what I was doing. But you know, I kind of like, yeah, you know, I'll be done in a little bit, and these people will still be working. And then I get my GoPod, I go, oh man, these people are like five 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 steps above where I am. You know, I've this is awesome. I'm learning so much. You know, it's it's helping me open my mind, you mm. know, because you know, it's it's very easy to get comfortable and be the smartest person in the room. I mean, we all kind of want to be there because it's comfortable, right? We're not challenged, we're not our our feel failures or defects aren't pointed out. Yeah. But when you're with people that have two, three, you know, four times more than you, you're kind of like, oh, you know, it just it it just, it, it changes your thinking and your dynamic. And I think that's what's really kind of, I'm not fully where I want to be with GoBundance, but it's definitely kind of accelerated me for sure. And, and opened no, my eyes. I remember my, my, my pod still, we've been together what, three and a half years as long as I've been in GoBundance. And um, the first six months were weird because you, I mean, you're meeting these guys like on Zoom, right? Like you, you get an yeah. hour and then you're out, an hour, then you're out. Whereas to your point, when I joined, we didn't have a local chapter. I always joke in Michigan, it was me and Brent. We go to Starbucks. That was it. Now there's 25 guys in Detroit Metro, let alone the other side of the state. But um, uh, the local chapter is, you're, you're right. We spend two, three hours together. We, I went on a date night with my wife and a, a friend, a uh, GoBundance guy and his wife um, last night. So it's easier to connect. The, the thing that changed for me, and I would say to you and anybody listening, and I say this to folks that graduate, emerge, go to Ascend and get a pod there or join GoBundance, like, if you can get together in person and spend time, like whether it's, hey, we're all going to this event, summer event, winter event, but one of those days, go out with them. Like just get away from mm -hmm. the event, go out to dinner and just bond as guys, as people, as, you know, if it's on the women's side, you know, bond as ladies or as women. Um, that changed the entire dynamic of our pod. Like two of the guys actually just got back from a two week uh, sailing trip around Greece with their wives, two of the guys in my pod. It's just, it, it opened up like the the connection, like now Zoom was sort of checking back in from the the people that we are spending three days together and getting deep on topics. And it was just, yeah, it, it was a, a different dynamic. But the pod takes some time to warm up. It's local chapter, though. If I join now, man, I love the stuff we do locally because you're right. You get to press the flesh and be around them. So mm -hmm. that's interesting. So, yeah, that's if you can get your pod to an event or just go somewhere together. My pod went to Austin just to go like this past summer, uh, last summer, I guess. Oh God, that was a year ago already. 
And then we were in yeah. Park City together. It's crazy. But that helps just getting around the guys like in person to make it less awkward. Because <laughs> it is weird. It's just Zoom, like an hour in, hour. And you text, but it's not the same as knowing the person, like, you know, having physically been there with them. So interesting. Yeah. Um, on the, oh, and I always, I, I need to plug this. Gobundance.com for anybody interested. You can apply at any level. Uh, just drop your information in there and we'll make sure it gets filtered to the right, the right organization. You're about February, right? February, March, April, May, June, July, five, six months out of the job at this point. And you mentioned right away you had that, that, um, that, uh, rehab or, or, you know, converting from a, a home to a, an STR, a short term rental. So that took up your mind space and your time and everything. Uh, anything, anything surprising about your time since like, I didn't expect this since your W2 exit. Is there anything in the time that you've been gone that's been surprising for you? You never expected or, or didn't quite see it going the way it did. Um, I, I think I'm really, I don't think things have gone in any wrong direction. I mean, if anything else, the minute I kind of shifted my focus when I was still at my W2 two job, I shifted my focus towards this, um, you know, no move. I, I, I've probably added 30% um, to my, again, passive income or, or side hustle income is my primary income now, which I, I probably wouldn't have done had I still been in the W-2. So I think I've definitely accelerated it. I think the one thing that I've always been dealing with, because I, I knew this was was going to happen, you know, I'm naturally just kind of a high anxiety person and kind of having to deal with that negative thought, you know, your subconscious saying, you got to go back. This yeah. is, a, you know, you got, I mean, every morning, you know, it's, it's a struggle, you know, and every morning you have to kind of overcome it and, you know, control that subconscious. And, you know, and I, and I think it, you know, and, and I was very intentional, you know, cause you know, coming out of the W2, like I, I knew this was going to be an issue, right? I, I just, I, I knew this was going to be an issue and, you know, I started, okay, so how am I going to overcome it? What are the things I'm going to do to grab control and keep making the progress? And so I, you know, I, I kind of broke it out into to three things, you know, and, and, you know, one is, you know, just, just reminding myself daily, it's on my whiteboard. It's on, I think the back of my computer screen, you know, what's my, why, what's my goal? Like, why am I doing this? Right. I also created smart goals for the year and I kind of bucketed them smart goals for you know, specific, measurable, actionable time bound. You know, these, these are goals you're going to accomplish cash flow, wealth building, relationships. And I tell myself, if I just do like three of the five goals in each of those buckets, all right, I know I'm making progress. That three-year goal I have, I'm getting there. I just got to do three of them. I keep myself focused. And you measure the progress. Like, did I accomplish this? What is the income it's generating? What's it doing to my relationship? And then the third thing is really that um, that daily routine. And, you know, it's it's a combination of affirmations of prayer, making sure I do my workout. I put together a journal. I keep a task list at tactical level, a task list of what I'm going to do today. So, you know, just, just kind of making sure that I've, I've got that routine. I'm grabbing, I'm taking ownership of my subconscious before it becomes an issue to just kind of, you know, make sure, look, it's working out. You've, you've I've already accomplished like five things that I wanted to do on my smart goals. I'm not even, I'm just now halfway through the calendar year. Right. Yeah. So just, just kind of like re those positive reinforces that, yeah, it's going well in the back of my, and, and, you know, and then I'll tell my negative thought, you know, first of all, I'll tell me you know, screw off negative thoughts, but you know what, if you're right, negative thoughts, well, give me another six months after a year, we'll figure out who's right and who's wrong, but go away. I'm going to do this for now. 
Oh man, that's amazing. I love that. Reminding yourself of your why, smart goals and tracking them and then uh, the daily routine that whatever morning routine, miracle morning, whatever it is for you, right? That sort of thing. Yeah. Grounding yourself in those. I I still, do you still get the terrifying wake up in the middle of the night? Can't go back to sleep. Oh my God, it's not going to work out. I'm, what am I doing? Does that happen or no? Um, it, it's me. happened. It's probably happened once or twice. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, again, kind of the same thing. I, I will, uh, what the way I've learned to handle it, um, you know, I, this happened all the time when I was in the W2 world, right? Oh, this project's failing. Oh, my boss hates me, you know, whatever. So-and-so's going to quit, whatever. Um, but yeah, again, I, <laughs> I have to admit there are two things I do. One, I, I, I'll pull out my smart goals. I'll, I'll pull out my, my quarterly tracking. I have a quarterly tracking mechanism I use. Look at that. The second thing I do is I pour myself uh, a, a single, you know, bourbon. And, uh, you know, 30 minutes later, you're I'm out. good. Gotcha. I wake up at 6 a.m., refreshed. It's all good. I use the Calm app and I put on some sleep sounds. That helps me. That helps me fall back yeah. to sleep. The concept, though, to me became clear. It's like there are in the last year and a half, I guess, since I left my job, there have been like 40 terrifying days just for whatever reason. Not even real, but just, you know. If I added it up, like let's say there's 40 terrifying days in that year, the rest of the year, you know, for the most part, a year plus has been exciting, right? It's like on purpose. I feel alive every day that I do what I do, but there's terrifying moments. I'll, 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 I'll aggregate them to 40 days. The flip is with my job, there was raise day, equity day, equity vesting day, and uh, bonus day. Those are four. And then there were a few weeks vacation, right? And and uh, and then paychecks, 26 paychecks a year, right? So when I add up like those things, it was like 40 really good days and the rest of the year sucked. So I'll take the 40 terrifying days with a good year versus I'm going to work all year for 40 good days, right? If that makes any sense. And they weren't even like that good. So <laughs> yeah, it makes, makes total. Yeah. And, and again, that, that's a good point. I mean, you know, we, you know, we, we talk about, you know, trading time for money. Um, and part of the reason why, like, do I really want, do I want to get more than my three-year goal is because when I say that I really want the time and I'm willing to sacrifice whatever of the money. Yeah. You know, I look at how, I mean, everyone talks about how relaxed I am, how happy I am, how nice I am to be around. I'm like, I'm, I'm nice to be around now. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, it kind of makes you think like, boy. I must, I guess that was a little intense, I think, is, is what it, it they permeates your whole life. When you're in a place, yeah. a job, whatever, that you're not happy, a relationship, you know, people think, oh, it's the 40 hours of work or 50 or I work 70. No, it's, it's however many hours there are in a week. Your sleep is affected. Your attitude, your mood is affected. Sundays, I, that was a big change for me. Leaving my job, I was amazed at how different Sundays felt. You know, Sundays were always a countdown. Like, ah, I got to start the day. But, you know, I, at the end of the day, I got to get to bed. And next day, let me log on Sunday night to get ahead of Monday. And now it's like Monday, baby, let's go. You know, like, so um, it's funny that to your point, it permeates your entire life. I think that's what you were getting at, right? Yeah. Well, and the, you mentioned Sunday, like, I don't even know what day of the week it is. I mean, I half the time, I mean, I have a calendar, so I know I got this meeting, but like, I think today's Thursday because I'm, you know, we're doing a little bit of a vacation, I think. Um, yeah. And I just like, I, I don't even know because every day is kind of a similar routine. You know, there might be some, you know, I, if I have meeting with friends, it might be on a Saturday because that's their day off. But, you know, my my work, what I can do on a Monday can be done on a Friday, which can be done on a Saturday. I mean, it just, it'll get done when it gets, when I make time for it. Yeah. I love it, man. Incredible. Wow. This was a lot of fun. I mean, we, we packed in celebrity names, the whole nine. This is great. But let's wrap on the GoBundance card game. And here's the question. Nine of spades. 
What's the most you have spent on a gift for someone? Ouch. Does my wife count? Anybody. Someone. Oh, Does I, your wife I count? Swear. Think about that question just that. I hope your wife never hears this. Does my well, wife you count? Know, she, she's going to get the most, right? She's going to get the mostest. You know, well, the so, one like, thing, the, not, yeah, it can't be the ring. Can't be the, the ring oh, or, okay. yeah. So actually for, um, yeah, I, I will say uh, probably $15,000, um, which was a mixture of anniversary plus birthday surprise gift when I took her to Tahiti. Oh, nice. How long ago? It was actually, it was right before COVID. We went in February of 2020. Oh, right before COVID. You were like the last flight out. Holy cow. Pretty much. Yeah. Coming back into LAX at the end of February was like, this is kind of creepy. And, you know, and it's funny, you fly out there. We were, we were kind of making a joke, like, because, because people were talking about it, you know, in February and we're like, well, if, if everything gets locked down, we'll be in Tahiti. That's a great place to be locked down. Ha ha ha. Not thinking like that would actually happen. Right. right so, right. Um, yeah. But I, I do go back. That would be an awesome place. My wife's a French speaker. So it, it was a oh, great, nice. a great opportunity for her to kind of speak, speak with the people there. So it was, it was awesome. and it's an experience versus an item. I love that. So that's money to me. Very, very well spent. So great stuff. And Chad, how can people learn more about you, follow you, wherever you want to uh, lead them to so they can, uh, they can get to know you a bit more. Yeah. I, I, honestly, the simplest thing is, you know, Facebook, uh, Chad Kirkpatrick on Facebook. I, I do have a, 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 a recently started somewhat growing Instagram account, Chad Investor of Leisure. Uh, Chad Investor of Leisure. I like yes. that. Okay. Yeah, I want to invest in time and leisure. So uh, th- those are the best ways. I, I, I would say I have a YouTube channel, but I got like three videos on there. So um, various projects I've worked on. You ever pump that, they can find it through Instagram, right? So you'll, uh, you can, you can add a link on your Instagram if ever you decide to go crazy on YouTube. So Good stuff, man. This was fun. I appreciate you jumping on. It's always good to, to get to know you. Am I going to see you at an event soon? Are you going to Detroit or Dallas or any plans for them? Um, yeah, I'm thinking of going to Dallas. You'll probably see me there um, is, is most likely. Very cool. Very cool. All right, man. Well, I will let you go. I appreciate you being on. And uh, yeah, maybe see you in Dallas. For sure. that's it for this episode, but be sure you subscribe for future episodes. Give us a rating and review as well. It just helps us grow the podcast, grow the reach, and give as much value as we can to you on a week-to-week basis. Be sure to go over and check out GoBundance.com while you're at it. Check out Emerge if you're a future millionaire, our elite division if you're in that $1 to $5 million range, or our champion division at $5 million plus. Or on the women's side, GoBundance Women is available for all of you to join an amazing group of millionaire entrepreneurial women. And if you haven't already, jump on tribeofmillionaires.com and order the book that is the namesake of this podcast and you'll learn all about what this whole GoBundance thing is, what masterminds are about, and the power of community, accountability, connection, and all of that as you pursue your goals. Thanks for listening again. We'll talk to you soon. 